Do you enjoy diving the podcast and would you like to support our work? If you'd like to get Justin out of the editing suite in his basement and diving again, be sure to check out our Patreon page to find fantastic ways to support this podcast. One of the cool perks is exclusive early access to episodes before they post with no ads. We thank some of our patrons every week, and this week we thank Al. Go to patreon.com slash dive in pod for more. It's a nightmare. Like the organizing of it is crazy, but like I, we got it down to a science and we put this line in underwater and we get everybody in at the same time. And it's great because I've got my staff, but then like all the other dive pros from all the other companies on Island volunteer. So it's literally like everybody gets their own designated group. Like each person gets five or six divers and they are, they're responsible for getting them and everybody holds onto the line and they link arms. And then like you don't, nobody gets up and or leaves until they've videoed it back and forth a couple of times. It's episode 62 of Dive in the Podcast with special guest Joanna Mikatowicz. Dive in the Podcast is a weekly all about diving podcast for everyone. Whether you explore the oceans as a snorkeler, scuba diver, free diver, or tech diver, Dive in has something for you. The show is filled with diving news, feature interviews with guests from around the world, interesting dive topics, and ocean advocacy. Visit DiveInPod.com to find out more about our show, past guests, and our Patreon. Hi everyone, I'm April, and tonight I have another pro tip for you. I'm Nick, and today's book recommendation is a film recommendation. I'm Amit, and we're the hosts of Dive In The Podcast. Last week's episode of Creation Freediver, Marilla Kardashevich was pretty awesome. What did you guys think? Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's one of these ones where I was really intrigued with that transition where she was a competitive swimmer at the beginning and then kind of has made that uh, into like a world rec- multiple world record holder for uh, the pool disciplines in free diving. So never would have even, you know, I guess this is where I'm not a, a, a free diver, but never even thought about like the pool disciplines in free diving and how that would work for landlocked uh, people. But uh, that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, absolutely. And I always think it's interesting to to see all these amazing women, but also be good moms on the side too. So really cool. Really great interview. Yeah. And Marilla yeah. was actually our first world record holding freediver on the podcast. Wow. That's kind of wow. cool. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Very cool. And tonight we're speaking to Joanna Mikitowicz. Joanna is the owner of one of the Caribbean's largest technical dive companies, DiveTech. She's a Patty course director, freediving instructor, and a rebreather diver. She's been listed as a top five influential female divers in the dive industry by Patty. Welcome to the podcast, Joanna. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. I'm great. Uh, we'll officially start your interview in a moment, Joanna. But before that, have you ever been to the Galapagos? I have been to the Galapagos, yes. I was there in 2008. So you're lucky to see the, um, the famous Darwin's Arch, I suppose? Yes, I did. And I dove it. Oh, that's Island. awesome. Mm-hmm. So in, in today's news segment, um, apparently the arch collapsed uh, earlier this week um, and officials are calling it a consequence of natural erosion, according to the Minister of the Environment for Ecuador. Uh, the arch was a UNESCO World Heritage, or still is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, it's a rock structure that was 43 meters high, 70 meters long, and 23 meters wide. Um, and it's a popular spot for, for divers. And actually, divers on the tour company Aggressor Adventures uh, apparently witnessed the um, the event as it, as it collapsed uh, in the morning uh, right in front of them. 
Um, so I guess it's a, it's a bit of a sad day for scuba divers, but I suppose the underwater world remains unchanged. So you were lucky to see it. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. Um, when I saw that news, actually, it was pretty sad. I feel like it's so iconic. Like that's kind of what you envision in your mind when you think of the Galapagos. Like that's just, it's always there. That's what you always think of as like for landscape and photos of the Galapagos. Um, yeah, it's pretty sad when I saw that. Yeah, I guess it's a reminder that uh, nature's ever changing too. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I wasn't surprised. That's what happens to you know big rock structures. But in for some reason, for that one, I was like, oh, that'll be there forever. But like, <laughs> yeah. obviously, it's subject to or, you know like everything else is all, every other structure. Yeah, uh, well, I'm sure I'm sure people will enjoy the Galapagos uh, just the same um, mm-hmm. when they keep going there. So you mentioned you dove the arch. So what was it like? diving through the arch because i'm curious to see how it's well not to see i guess rather to hear how it may have changed now so i didn't actually dive under through the arch that part itself is uh from what i remember is like it's like a hard little rock island but we you dive around it okay so it's probably not impacted that i take it this is no i would imagine the diving is probably still the same as it was before Last year in March, that was actually the trip that my parents canceled, like right as the lockdown happened, they were supposed to go to Galapagos like two weeks later when we went into lockdown. So I guess they won't be seeing it. (laughs) They just missed it. (laughs) Should have gone there and got locked down in Galapagos. Yeah, no Um, kidding. (laughs) That's it for today's news. It's time to dive in with Joanna Mikotowicz. Where are you from, Joanna? I'm originally from Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Very cool. Not far from us. And how long did you how long did you live there before you moved to the Caribbean? Well, so actually funny you guys should say not far from you. I actually grew up uh spending my summers in Cape Breton in a little town called Port Hood. No way. Ah. Yeah. Wow. So I know. It was uh that my parents bought a house up there on their honeymoon. That's where they went for their honeymoon and loved it. And then, yeah, so I grew up there my whole life. And then I actually went to university at St. of X in Annie Ganesh. Wow. Your sister so, went there. You're basically <laughs> a Nova Scotian. That is what we're I, I think so. I think so. Yeah. But, um, so after I graduated, I mean, so I came to Cayman on vacation. I've been coming here since the nineties and I got certified here in, um, like 97. And I knew when I was done with that, I, I wanted to grow up and be a dive instructor, but my parents were really encouraging university. <laughs> so, so I did. So I went to St. of X and I literally graduated St. of X in, you know, May and June. And then by September, I had moved down to the Florida Keys and started my dive training down there. That's a cool connection. Yeah. That is very wow, that's cool. incredible. So do you have the X ring? That's the real, because apparently to ask that's, that. <laughs> that's the thing. Absolutely. I definitely still have the X-ring and I still wear it on X-ring day every year here. Um, And it's funny because even here in the Cayman Islands, people recognize it. Wow. I think it's like the fifth most recognized ring in the world or something. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't expect that. (laughs) (laughs) Joanna, what was your first memory of the water? I would have to say, actually, it's probably, it was up in Nova Scotia. Um, I, we were always just big, like swim. My parents were really into the ocean. We used to go dig for cohogs and play on the beach all the time and go fishing all the time. Uh, and then I had some, of course, everybody up there lobster fishes in the summer. So I used to go out and help the lobster men on the lobster boats. 
And it's just kind of how I became like just in love with the ocean and just being on it and working on it. And then when we were on vacation in the Cayman Islands, my dad was a big diver and he was like, you know, you should try diving. And I was like, okay. So that was where I started scuba down here. Wow. That's, that's quite the spot to, uh, start scuba when you get right. So like what led up to that? Like uh, you mentioned your dad kind of coaching you into it. Was that one of these like, Hey, we're at this fancy resort. Do you want to try the scuba diving thing? Or how, how did that come about? Yeah, I was totally actually tricked into it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I didn't, I was like really scared because I was young. I was like 14 and I was just scared of like, first of all, all the equipment. And then also like running out of air, which is ridiculous. Now, you know, now that you think about it, like you have SPGs, so you don't do that. But those were like my fears. So my dad was trying to talk me into it because him and my brother always used to go. They were both divers and I would go snorkel with them because I just love the ocean. But I was like, you know, I don't want to run out of air. So then one year, my dad hooked me up with a snuba course where you're like attached to the surface with like a big tube. Um, and I did fine on that. And then the next year, him and my brother were going out diving. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to take you to the resort up the street. And you can hang out there by the pool for the morning while we're out diving. And I was like, okay. So he takes me up there and drops me off and like just leads me into this little room. And lo and behold, I'm signed up for a dive course. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but <awesome. laughs> um, I did it. And it was a three-day course. And at the end of the three days, I was like, yep, I'm going to be. This is what I want to do when I grow up. You're saying... And I kind of like this because you're like, yeah, my dad tricked me into scuba diving as it was such <laughs> yeah. a terrible thing to do. Uh, but <laughs> now, how do they feel about the fact that you're, in fact, the scuba pro and they were the ones that tried to, to get you into it in the first place? <laughs> yeah, I think they're super proud. I mean, they're just, you know, happy that I've made a life out of it, really. Um, it's, you know, it's my, of course, my passion, my hobby for starters, but it's also my career. So they're pretty proud of that. Did you foresee that? Um, I yeah, I did, I guess. Um, sometimes I'm like, you know, what was I thinking? <laughs> but I, when I've just, I always need to work towards something. So, you know, like I first started by working my way up through the ranks, like of instructor ratings. Um, and then it just personally, so I became a, a patty course director that was always on my list. And then once I did that, I moved on to managing a dive shop. And then I was like, okay, maybe now it's time for me to own a dive shop. And that's just kind of how I, I worked my way through it, um, just because of my own personal ambitions to just kind of keep doing more. Very cool. Yeah. Did you gravitate towards a specific type of diving from the get-go when you first started diving? Uh, I really love, I just love being like looking at the different marine life. So for me, like anywhere I dive in the world, I love it. Whether it's like cold water, bad visibility, whatever currents, no currents. I just find everywhere I dive, there's something different and unique there. And I just appreciate everything about being underwater. Um, I've never been a big fan of wreck diving just because, I mean, there is life on wrecks, but I prefer to swim over like corals and different types of fish or in schools of fish than swim around a wreck. But despite that though, you kind of got interested in technical diving. How did, how did Mm -hmm. that passion develop? That started actually when I came to Cayman. Um, and initially I just started working as an employee at dive tech and that was something that they offered here. And so it was just along the same lines of it was something new. I had never tried, um, something else I could learn. So I started doing the the tech rebreather training then. You're also a freediving instructor. Is that right? I am a freediving instructor. Yep. So I actually have a really good friend, who I was in scuba school with initially down in Florida. Um, and he's uh, one of the training directors for SSI freediving. And he works up actually in Boston. 
Um, so he came down here and was like, I'm going to teach you how to free dive. And he did. And it was something else I loved. So I went all the way and became an instructor in that as well. Was that something you'd gravitated towards, towards naturally at first, or you came to discover along with, you know, being involved in the dive industry? Yeah, I came to discover that I wasn't a big fan at first because it's quite uncomfortable uh, holding your breath like that. But that when you kind of make it like into like a mind over matter thing and it's, it's a, it's a really good challenge. And that's why I started to really enjoy that. Um, I don't per se do it to enjoy the, like, I'm not down there sightseeing. <laughs> like It's just like a challenge to, you know, get down to a certain depth or to stay under for a certain amount of time. And it's just, it, yeah, it's a good challenge for myself. Do you find that it's helped you in, in the other areas of, of sort of scuba diving? Definitely. I mean, the more knowledge you have all, like all around, the better you're going to be in, in everything. Um, yeah, it's definitely helped me and it's given me new tricks and stuff to teach different people about and comply across like all levels of diving. Nice. And now you're listed as one of the top five influential female divers in the industry by Patty. Yes. That must just feel absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, I, I've always wanted to just you know, represent women in the diving industry because we're such a minority. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just kind of like, you just kind of need to keep forging ahead and show that you can do everything that everybody else can do. Absolutely. That's awesome. Oh, congratulations on that. And I mean, you know, certainly it's one of those things where obviously that achievement probably, I assume, has to do with all the work that you have been doing. But, you know, you're also a female that owns one of the largest technical dive companies in the Caribbean. So. What's really driven you to do that? Because, I mean, it's one thing to say like, oh, hey, let's, let's start a dive shop and, you know, we'll, we'll plan some nice, cool little tours around. But to say, yeah. I'm going to move to technical diving and diving and regular recreational diving. And then why not have the biggest uh, dive company in the Caribbean while I'm at it? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do it, let's like do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go big or go home? Is that the- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, to be honest, I can't take all that. Like when I, you know, when I bought Dive Tech, um, the whole technical program was already in place. And I was kind of like, I could do it. I could not do it. Um, but, you know, I had a really good support with my staff and that were really into it. And to this day, I still have good support with them really helping with a lot, like everything. And especially the technical side of it. I've got really experienced technical instructors that work here. Um, so they kind of take control of a lot of that and make sure it, it all happens. So it's more an evolutionary thing, like kind of you inherited bits and pieces of it as you kind of went, but did you, yeah. did you have to, I guess, did you come up through the ranks in that company as well in order to be able uh, to take I, that over? Um, sort of. Yeah. So when I came to dive tech, um, I learned how to do a lot of things in the couple of years that I worked for it. Um, just working as an employee at the business. Uh, like I learned how to, you know, full drive boats all the time. And I learned the whole rebreather side of it and the free diving. Um, I hadn't done that before I came here. And then the way I acquired it was basically, I was just kind of about time, you know, time to look for something else to do. I needed a new challenge. And it just so happened that the previous owners of dive tech were just looking to retire. Um, and then, so we kind of started a conversation and it just seemed to fit. It was like, you know, I knew the company, I, I knew the Island. I'd lived here for a while and I just felt like the perfect fit. Mm. Was that, was it a scary step? Yes, it's, it still is very scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with more from Joanna Mikatovitz.
Hi everyone, I just wanted to take a second to thank our sponsor, Torpedo Rays Scuba. Torpedo Rays is a local dive shop in Nova Scotia. If you're not in Nova Scotia, that's okay. They've got a wonderful website, torpedorays.com, T-O-R-P-E-D-O-R-A-Y-S.com. All of the scuba gear you could ever need is there. If you can't find it, give Jason a call, 902-481-0444, and he'll be happy to help you out. And in these challenging times, it's always great to shop local, don't go to a huge big box help support your local dive shop buy something you've had your eye on excellent time to make a good deal buy a gift certificate to use later whatever the case may be torpedo rays and torpedorays.com will be there for you once again their number is 902-481-0444 or torpedorays.com it's janelle williams i'm a scientist here in jamaica and you're listening to dive in the podcast Welcome back to Dive in the Podcast. We're speaking with Joanna Mikatowicz. Joanna is the owner of one of the Caribbean's largest technical diving companies, Dive Tech in Grand Cayman. So before the break, we were chatting a little bit about uh, how you got into owning Dive Tech, but can you tell us a bit more about that shop's history prior to your ownership? Yeah, so it was actually started by a woman, um, Nancy Easterbrook, back in 1994, And she was the one who brought, well, not just, she did bring technical diving to the Cayman Islands, but she also introduced nitrox here um, back in the day when that was like the devil's gas and like totally taboo. (laughs) Um, She brought that here and she started dive tech just herself. You know, um, she had kids and she would work all day long and come home and try to raise her children and do the after hour stuff at night. Um, And she kind of built it from nothing into a really large business over the years so even cooler that it was like you you have the largest business and it was basically two women that have built this Mm -hmm. into what it is you and the previous owner yes very cool joanna i am a huge fan of pink and (laughs) here in uh, halifax i think i'm known for my like all pink dive gear but dive tech is also Mm -hmm. known for its pink and you guys even have pink boats can you tell us a little bit about your branding yeah so the branding was all me uh the previous owner nancy (laughs) does not like pink Uh, (laughs) (laughs) actually their their colors used to be the nitrox colors which makes sense Uh, like the yellow and green yeah um but i have always loved pink my whole life like everything i've done in life has been pink. And like, you know, if you go buy something and there's an option for it to be pink, you buy it in pink. Like it's just always been a thing. Um, and so when I finally had my own, like never where I've worked, I've tried to leave my little touch of pink places, but you can only go so far when it's not your business. (laughs) And I was like, finally, when I had my own business with like all my own boats and vehicles and like space. And I was just like, well, now I can, I can make whatever I want pink. Um, (laughs) and I started, yeah, we changed our logo. It's like our colors now are pink and gray. Uh, so I changed that first. And then I painted the boats pink, which there's no other boats here that are pink. <laughs> I love Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Is that yeah. as recognizable as an X-ring then? Uh, I would say for <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, definitely. I, you know, it's like there's a lot of dive companies. There's a lot of boats here and pretty much they're all white except for my bright pink ones that stick out. But Um, you know, I had a friend who was over in the Philippines and she was at a bar and chatting with somebody and they said, Oh, where do you live and work? And she said, Oh, Grand Cayman. And they were like, Oh, that's the place with the pink boats. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Become recognizable. Yeah. 
Definitely. That's, That's awesome. Cool. Actually, earlier today, I was having a conversation. I won't say who with, but uh, he told me, he's like, okay, bro. Like I was saying how I need new fins. He's like, time to get some grown up fins. No more, no more of these pink fins. And I'm like, ah, uh, no, they're going to be pink. Whatever I end up getting, they will be pink. And he's like, April, when you get on these boats and you're doing deep dives and technical dives, if you show up with pink fins, no one's going to take you seriously. And I'm like, yep, well, I'm going to change that because they're going to yeah. be pink. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, you just have to own it, right? Like when Absolutely. I started doing this, like with the pink boats, of course, you know, all of like, you know, the boys club around here that on the rest of the dive shops on this island were just like, everyone was chatting and like, oh, it's ridiculous. Like, what is she doing? Like how obnoxious and like, yeah, who's, who's laughing now? Yeah, <laughs> That's right. exactly. Like, That's awesome. But I did, I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to be like, oh, maybe it's not a good idea. And I just actually have made it even worse. I've made more stuff pink. So, like, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I, I I like the idea of like just bugging it, April. Like if if you guys decide to do that, like I'll throw on a set of pink fins if you can find mm-hmm. me some with you. Uh, Hell yeah. And then we'll show them how <laughs> how it rolls at like you know technical depths. I'm I'm down with that. Yeah, sweet. Either Love way, it. really, when you get down there, it's all going to look black, anyways. Right. <laughs> I think pink holds its color pretty well at depth, though. That's it's not bad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It depends on what it is. Like my, all my pink, like fins and mask and stuff, they hold their color. I do, <laughs> of course, have a pink rebreather, oh, um, nice. and I know, and that does not that loses its color at depth. I guess whatever the coating is, it's done in like that, uh, like rhino lining sort of coating that hmm. made the color on it. So that yeah, that turns it like a dark purple. But hmm. huh. that's pretty well, cool. Yeah. Kind of both still cool colors, the dark purple yeah. at depth, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. You obviously uh, have a bit of fun owning a dive shop, but it, I imagine it can also be stressful. What's what's your philosophy when it comes to to running your operation and dealing with staff and customers? Um, well, it's it's hard right now. I mean, it's hard to remember what we were like pre COVID. Um, as I was saying earlier, the Cayman Islands is still shut down to tourism, and tourism was like ninety percent of our business. So. We have resident business. It's mostly just weekend stuff, but our staff is half of what it used to be. Um, but I, I think it's, you know, it's just important to just like, first of all, just provide a good customer service. Like all of my staff are super friendly. You know, nobody's rude or mean, like there's just no need for it. Uh, I'm very involved. Like I drive the boats every day, so I'm always there. So that might help that staff are better behaved around, you know, their <laughs> boss. Um and, uh, yeah, I mean the same with the staff, I try not to, you know, that's the hardest part of all this is managing people. Um, but I, you know, I respect them and I kind of expect respect in return and I don't like to have to babysit people. You know, I'm like, yeah, this is your job. You know what to do. So just turn up and do it. Seems pretty simple to me. So I think, I feel like I have a really good relationship with my staff. Yeah. It has to come through is is basically that that type of relationship and and i think if you know if you look at like leadership overall i think the relationship between a boss and the i don't know i don't want to use that word maybe i was going to say subordinate but like employee we'll say Mm -hmm. uh you really do have to have sort of like a you know a mutual respect for both and i think if you end up being the boss that's hammering the employee or the employee that feels like they're just going to try to pull one over on the boss Nothing ever goes well, but if you can have that kind of cool, relaxed, cordial relationship, then it seems like it would work well. And I mean, what other industry could possibly do that? I mean, diving or surfing, I feel like those two could be like, the we're going to still have a good time. 
yeah. and do the things that we're supposed to do. And now, of course, I'm rambling. Uh, so on that same vein of uh, great customer service, what could a non-technical diver expect when they come to dive with dive tech? Um, so believe it or not, despite our name, most of our business is not technical. Uh, the tech diving we get in very small dribs and drabs. Uh, it's mostly a lot of one-on-one training. We do run specific boats once in a while when there's demand for tech diving only. And then we host uh, an event once a year that's a rebreather only event. And that usually gets like 40 to 60 rebreather divers here uh, once a year. But other than that, it's all recreational people. So the two tank boat trips that we run every day, morning and afternoon, they're your standard wall reef dive sites, um, all recreationally. And we've got all the levels of recreational training. So nobody feels uncomfortable or like out of place or there's, you know, not a whole bunch of tech divers like on the same boat as recreational. We keep everything separate. Mm, very cool. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta say I, before I was a tech diver, I had the chance to to dive with dive tech on, on a trip to, uh, to Grand Cayman. So I certainly didn't feel out of place. So I can, um, I can second that technical diving, you know, it's a complex, expensive endeavor and, and some might argue riskier than, than, than a lot of dive shop owners want to take on. And it's something you inherited when you took, took over the shop. Um, like what keeps you going in that, in that direction? Um, what about it that, that keeps you supporting it? Cause it must be a disproportional cost, I suspect. It, I mean, it's definitely not a moneymaker, but it is something unique that we offer that pretty much nobody else in Cayman does. So uh, before, you know, in the good times, pre-COVID times, I mean, there were like 25 dive operators on this island and everybody was just thriving. Like we were all doing so well. Um, but it's like each dive company has something unique to offer that the other doesn't. Um, and ours is, is tech diving. So it, it doesn't like bring in, say, like a whole bunch of tech divers, but it brings in like, you know, maybe... A, fi- a family or a group that has one rebreather diver with them. So uh, they'll come to us to accommodate that one person. And then we get all the rest of their customers as well. So it, it is a neat little niche that no one else really has in Cayman. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was actually one of the things I was going to ask you there was like, do you, do you find that like the technical aspect of it, the fact that you support it, do people kind of look at you as being like the industry pro or the most, I guess, well-informed dive shop in the community and so is you know is that also a draw uh for your business i mean it could be i would hope so (laughs) that'd be good um i i think so i think it works both ways though i do think sometimes it puts people off because they're afraid they're going to be like out of their league just trying to come do you know a simple shallow dive and we only cater to technical um but i yeah i would hope it you know people think that we know what we're doing we do get a lot of requests for nitrox courses so Maybe they think we, you know, are above and beyond. So at least we can teach a good nitrox course. That's kind of one of those things that comes back to your customer service piece. And I guess what Nick was saying before, though, like if uh, I know, like before I started into tech diving, I actually would. And that's kind of one of the reasons I was asking that question is I would look at the shops and be like, okay, so if they can support all of this, then odds are I'm going to kind of get like a, a, if you want to call it a double bang for my buck, right? Like I can show up. Mm And I'm, I know I'm going to have people that are serious divers that are diving with, you know, crappy old me uh, when <laughs> I come diving. But yet at the same time, I found it awesome because I'd be like sitting there kind of picking the brains of these like DMs who were probably like, man, I wish this guy would shut up. But uh, they're, they're always super nice and you learn more stuff and it kind of inspires you to, to keep going. Right. And right. it was a, it was a big deal. Like a couple of times I'd been out with some cave divers who were like, hey, you should keep diving, man. Like you're not a bad diver. 
And I was like, okay, well, you know, like that's, that's kind of motivational if you can go out with somebody at your caliber and then they can, they kind of turn to you and you're like, well, yeah, like you know, they keep you going or inspire you to keep going. So I think there's a real benefit to, to not like shrugging a tech dive shop just because you happen to be a recreational diver uh, and yeah. you, or, you know, or not to be intimidated. We also, a lot of my staff, when they die, when they guide and work on their recreational boats, they do it in their rebreathers. Okay. And it generates a ton of interest. Like people always ask questions like, what is that? And uh, we just recently had a guy who's been our, our regular customer now for six months. He lives here and he comes out on the weekends and dives, you know, a standard nitrox tank with us. And he just started his rebreather course last week because he's seen them dive it every week. And he's mm-hmm. like, all right, I got to try it. I got to do it. <laughs> like, all right. Oh, yeah, that's that's yeah. definitely one of those. It's infectious, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But just the no bubbles. I mean, like I, I go out with Nick and he's always got his. Well, I shouldn't say always, but he often has his uh, when we head out. And, you know, I'm always jealous because I'm looking at it and I'm looking at it con- continuously monitoring PPO2. There's no bubbles. You know, I'll be looking at my NDL as being approaching zero and his is like infinite still. Uh, so there's all these cool factors, uh, like, you know, if he decides to pick like a, a steady hover, there's no up and down. He's actually hovering where he is. Cause the, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so there's so many cool factors to it that I, yeah. I can definitely see myself moving that route. So mm-hmm. maybe Cayman might be a good place to go. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of services do you guys provide to technical divers, Joanna? So for technical, uh, we, I mean, we do it all. So we do the open circuit doubles, we do side mount, um, and then we do rebreathers. We mainly offer the KISS rebreathers. That's the ones we have in our rental fleet and the, all the staff dive. And then, I mean, so we do all levels of training from your basic mod one through normoxic and hypoxic and uh, then just guiding, you know, guiding as well for the deep dives. Do you feel it's a difficult transition for somebody coming from recreational to start sliding into the technical diving world and then ending up in a rebreather? Uh, no, actually, I haven't found it. I don't think anyone's found it that difficult. I mean, they kind of flop around a bit at the start trying to get your buoyancy down in a rebreather, but uh, it's it's worked out. It works out quite well. You know, we spend a lot of time in the shallows and get them trimmed out properly. Um, and then, yeah, they catch on pretty quick. And what was the reason for uh, for using the KISS rebreathers? So we started using those because, first of all, they're very streamlined and lightweight and also very simple, like their name. Keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's, like, not many points of failure. So one of the problems we have here in Cayman, it's very difficult to get stuff. Like, when things break, um, mm-hmm. there's a good chance the part you need is not on island, and then you've got to order it and wait for it, and it's got to clear customs. It's just a nightmare. Um, so we went with a kiss initially cause it like has the fewest amount of parts that could possibly break and they are just the easiest to maintain. Uh, and then we have a really good working relationship with kiss rebreathers. Uh, Mike Young, who owns that is a really close friend of ours. So, you know, he came down and, you know, has taught us how to kind of maintain them properly on our own. And he just, he's really, really good. Anytime anything breaks, I feel like if we need another part, it's here like instantly. It's just very like, very personalized one-on-one attention from Mike, which is really cool and, and keeps our units up and running. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. One of the things that uh, you had mentioned earlier was that you guys host technical dive events. Can you tell us a bit about what your technical dive events look like? 
Yeah. So inner space is the one we hold every year in May, except for last May and except for this May, <laughs> obviously. Um, and it's a week of rebreather diving and we split them up into three groups. So you've got your standard recreational group on rebreathers uh, and you've got the normoxic group um, and then the hypoxic group and they all have their own boats and they all have their own guides and you go out in the morning and they usually do one long dive uh, up to three hour profiles we give them. And then in the afternoon, they have the option of going out on another boat or they can dive from our shore location. And then the evenings we do dinner and every somebody, you know, amongst the group gives a presentation because we have a lot of really talented and unique people that come to this event. These are, you know, cave explorers or equipment manufacturers or, you know, anybody like that. So they can, everybody has lots of cool stuff to talk about what they've done over the past year. Oh, that's, that sounds amazing. Mm. It certainly does. What's the diving like in, in Grand Cayman? Um, so here we have basically the Cayman Islands are like the very tippy top of a mountain. So coming away from shore, um, we have what we call the hard pan, which is a really hard bottom. And that extends out to until about 30 feet where you start to get a little bit of reef. And then we have what we call a mini wall. So it's like a little step. It's The mini wall starts at about 30 to 40 feet and it drops down to about 60, 65 feet. And then it levels out again and you can swim out a good distance. And sometimes there's coral and sometimes there's like coral and then sand and it's like fingers of coral. And then you hit the main wall. So once you swim out a ways at about 65 feet, you're on the edge and it's a sheer wall straight down to about 4,000 feet. So you're just there in the blue, Whoa. but it's, it's all very close to shore. Um, that's why we've been so popular for tuck diving. Cause you can hit these depths. So super easy from shore. Like that 4,000 feet comes like right up, you know, next to shore. So you can just swim out and, drop on down. Um, and then there's wow. other parts of the island that stretch out a bit farther and that's where you take your boat diving. That's so cool. Like the, the idea of, uh, you know, like we, we go out here and we're lucky if we can find 150 feet to go practice some tech drills. Right. Uh, yeah. we were talking about that earlier this year. Um, Nick and I, and we were like, well, I mean, if we check these charts, we might be able to take the boat and find a good spot. Uh, and it, they're pretty well non-existent in around us. So, the idea of a 4,000 foot wall that's shore accessible is like almost like a dream come true. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's your favorite dive site, Joanna? Oh, I've got so many here. Um, I'd have to say my favorite one here is one called uh, Princess Penny's Pinnacle. And it's up on the north wall of Grand Cayman. And it's just this massive pinnacle that sits away from the wall, but over the wall. So um, I think it connects down like at, uh, probably close to 200 feet. So when you swim out, you can drop over the wall and you can actually do like a corkscrew swim around the pinnacle a couple of times and then carry on. And it's just gorgeous. It's just covered in so much, so much life, like sponges and sea fans. And yeah, it's really cool. Wow. It's awesome. Yeah. That sounds like a neat dive. So I guess one of the things I'm always curious about having, uh, you know, being a Caribbean kid at heart is the local community and the relationship with different uh, dive, well, not dive in general, but any sort of like business. How does dive tech su- support the local community? We do a lot. So every year um, I host the best and only <laughs> women's, <laughs> dive, women's Dive Day event here. Um, and I donate all of the proceeds we make from that day to the Cayman Breast Cancer Foundation. So all of that money stays on island and helps out the Breast Cancer Foundation here. Um, in the last couple of years, uh, what we've done is the longest underwater human chain. We've made the world record for that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh. yeah, everyone comes and links hands underwater. 
And we raised anywhere from five to $6,000 for the Breast Cancer Foundation. Uh, and then last year, we obviously couldn't host like a big gathering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we did was we set out a, a, a distance with a line around our entire shore dive site. So if you swam it nice and slowly, it was like a 45-minute dive. So it was like a really nice dive. And we just encouraged everybody to come all you know, throughout the day and swim around our shore dive site. But what we did is we recorded that distance and the goal was to get, you know, every, every time somebody swam that distance, it was like we wanted the distance that would circle around the island of Grand Cayman. And okay. so we reached that goal as well. We covered the distance, I think, and got a little bit more. But um, yeah, same. We were able to donate that money to the Breast Cancer Foundation. Uh, and then Dive Tech also has an internship for uh, Caymanians here who live on island, who are born and raised here. Um, not many of them are super, you know, familiar with the ocean or they might not have the opportunities or know about like working in the dive industry. So we have a program that, you know, if they come in and all basically all they need to do is, is turn up and we'll put them all the way through their dive master training and then offer them a job when they're done with that. Uh, if they want to work for us, uh, then they can. So we try to encourage them to stay active in the dive community here. Yeah, that's very cool. That's, that's pretty awesome. There's a, often, often there's a lot of barriers locally in, in the Caribbean just for costs alone to, to enter, enter yeah. the dive industry. So that's, that's pretty awesome mm-hmm. to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. And I think it's a, it's a good thing that Justin isn't here because he's been trying to make that uh, longest human chain for like years. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we did it. <laughs> like uh, we every, did it with all every, women. Oh, see, that's way better because every year yeah. we have a big event here called the Treasure Hunt, where there's okay. usually about like 200 divers. And every year he tries to do this like chain <laughs> thing. And then people are like getting out of the water before oh, he has the an, opportunity. It's <laughs> a nightmare. Like the yeah. organizing of it is crazy. But like I, we got it down to a science and we put this line in underwater and we get everybody in at the same time. And it's great because I've got my staff, but then like all the other dive pros from all the other companies on island volunteer. So it's literally like everybody gets their own designated group. Like each person gets five or six <laughs> divers and they're, they're responsible for getting them and everybody holds onto the line and they link arms. And then like you don't, nobody gets up and or leaves until they've videoed it back and forth a couple of times. <laughs> and oh, then wow. after we like let them all. So it, it works better when you have like enough supervisors to like mm-hmm. look at five or six people at once and keep them in line. That's so much more organized. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what there, I want to say the last time we did it, I don't remember what it was actually. I feel like it was 170 something. I was going to say wow. it's close to 200. Like it's yeah. really high. Well, well if, yeah. if Justin is listening to this when he's editing it, which I assume yeah. he'll be listening, uh, yeah. he'll pick up some tips there. So watch out, Joanna. Yeah, yeah right. I've got some competition. <laughs> uh, I'd say you have like an environment that's way more conducive well, to it. Well, okay. So there's that, right? Because we can, I mean, you could see our photos of it. You can almost see the whole entire line oh, line wow. up, right? Our visibility is so clear. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Here you probably see the first two divers on a good day, maybe three. So, Oh, I was part of the chain when we attempted it and it was just a gong show. Like some people were like upside down Mm -hmm. linked up because they were so floaty. They were just trying. Oh, it was just, it was a mess. So we definitely (laughs) need some tips. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, you, you alluded to earlier that, uh, international travel is still an issue to, to Grand Cayman or the Cayman Islands. And obviously that's had a huge impact on, on tourism and your business. Nation and things happening like 
Yeah, it's super tricky right now because we don't get much feedback from our government who makes the decisions. Um, and then in addition to that, we just they just had their elections. We just got a new government like two weeks ago. So it was like the last like three or four months, obviously the people that were on their way out didn't want to make any decisions. And now we've got all these new people that might not, you know, they're still trying to just, you know, they're just coming in. So um, I, I'd like to think that the vaccinations are going to be our answer here and we just need to get more people vaccinated. Um, and if we reach the percent that they want, they'll open, but I don't, I'm still not confident that they're going to open our borders fully with no quarantine, even once people are vaccinated. They've made it very clear that they put lives before anything else. Um, so I think they're still just about a bit worried about people getting sick, and that's their main concern. How's the government and the Cayman supporting, well, I mean, the community, but also the businesses there to ensure that there's no economic collapse then? Because obviously, I think it's a great idea that we, you know, they center lives yeah. first, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, obviously that other part's important too. Well, unfortunately for the tourism industry here, I guess we've kind of realized that we're not the, you know, that I guess not that important. There's a huge financial industry here, mm. um, banks, lawyers, accounting and construction. It's thriving. Like wow. you wouldn't even know anything's missing here every day. It's like, if I didn't work in the tourism industry, I wouldn't know anything's different. Like the, it's business as usual out there. Um, I mean, there's construction everywhere and everything is selling. I don't like know who, who was buying property they can't come to, but apparently everybody is. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's hard because it's not a priority for them to get tourism open. Um, and right. you know, with the loss of tourism was a lot of losses of jobs, which most, a, a lot of those people are expats who, you know, pay immigration work permit fees um, so they've lost a ton of money in that respect as well, because we're getting less money and work permit fees. But yeah, they're just like, we don't care what, like the lives are the most important thing to us anyways. Um, so they are offering a stipend for to Caymanians. So people that, you know, are officially born and raised here, they get $1,500 a month for the ones that were in the tourism industry. They're still waiting to get jobs. Uh, they do have flights come in every week with people that come back. And of course they're, they're shuttled to quarantine immediately. So they've gotten mm -hmm. the taxi drivers to do that. So government's paying, like is paying the taxi drivers. So people don't have to pay for their ride back to their quarantine facility. Um, okay. yeah. So, I mean, little bits like that, but, uh, not much. The businesses in the tourism industry here are struggling and it's really sad to see because every week or two, another one closes. I mean, these companies have been around for, you know, 20, 30 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's hard. Um, I think a lot of people too are in that same boat and everywhere. I mean, even here in Nova Scotia, like at our dive shop, uh, you wouldn't think that tourism is such a big thing here in Nova Scotia, but it just, it impacts everything from the people who were going to Grand Cayman and want to buy their mask and snorkel mm -hmm. here before they go. Um, so it is, it's just, it's kind of devastating in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah it definitely kind of rolls downhill through everything. Absolutely. So now when this is all over and people can travel to Grand Cayman again and they want to book a trip, where can they find you online or social media? Yeah. So both online, um, Facebook, Instagram, we have a really big following cause, um, we've got a great photographer on staff, Tony, and he, 
does amazing photos and we post photos all the time, like at least one a day and they're so great. So people follow us a lot just for our pictures. Um, and you can see those on Instagram and Facebook and they'll make you want to be in underwater or on a warm beach mm-hmm. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and is it just at dive tech for your Instagram? Yes. Awesome. And are you, um, are you sort of right now, you're just not taking any bookings and you're just kind of waiting for the situation or are you sort of like, I'm, I'm just, I guess in, in the context of somebody who's listening and they wanted to come, what's like, what's the situation like? Um, it's tricky because the last thing I want to do when people say they want to come here is say, no, I mean, all we need right now is people's business. But, um, I also don't want them to, you know, plan a trip that is maybe realistically not going to happen. So, um, I mean, I get people all the time. They're like, Hey there, I'll be there in July, you know, for four days. And I'm like, Oh, sorry, you won't be, (laughs) um, but it's, yeah, I mean, we, we can take people's reservations for diving. We're happy to do that. Um, the trickier bit I think for them would be to get air airfare here and a hotel, um, our condo, a, a lot of the condos here have gone into long-term rental, which is great for them. Um, but they used to be, you know, for vacation rentals. So a lot of those aren't around anymore, but you know, the hotels will be taking bookings. And, um, right now n- the only airline coming in here is Cayman air once a week from Miami. Right. So, uh, but I also think a lot of airlines are still selling the trips to Cayman as if they are still running or they plan to be, but I, I'm not sure that's actually a thing. Like I don't, they haven't been given the clearance to, to come here. So just plan your trip carefully. Um, to be honest, none of us have any idea. There's all these like theories out there of when we're going to open, how long it's going to be. Nobody knows until we've been given the official word, uh, from our government. So, um, I mean, if you're planning a trip for next year, maybe that would be great. Um, I'd like to be optimistic and say maybe this fall you can get people here without a quarantine, but I guess we'll just have to see. Well, we, we certainly hope you, you can hang in there and, uh, that, uh, you get, you get open up soon. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So what keeps you diving, Joanna? I just love it. That's still like my favorite thing to do. Uh, you know, a lot of times people buy dive shops. That's like the first thing to go and they don't dive anymore. But like, I make sure I dive all every opportunity I get. Cause that's still my favorite part of this business. That's why I got into it. Um, so yeah, I still love it. I get to drive my pink boats. <laughs> I get to interact with the customers and, uh, it's my favorite thing. Very cool. Well, that's really awesome. Um, thanks for that. And thanks for sharing your, your knowledge and your experience and telling us about your story and uh, telling us about dive tech in the Cayman Islands. Yeah, of course. So tonight's first segment is uh, my book recommendation, actually. And for tonight's book recommendation, I actually have a film recommendation. Um, if anybody uh, tuned into the International Ocean Film Festival um, earlier this month, they would have been treated to a series of really awesome, awesome films. And one that actually stuck with me is a film called The Deep Med. Um, it's an exp- it's a it's a film about an expedition uh, led by a French uh, French photographer and slash marine biologist Laurent Balesta, um, who led this really awesome expedition where they spent 28 days at depth of 100 meters um, exploring the Mediterranean. And if you are a diver in general, this is a film wor- worth watching. But if you're a technical diver, if you're a photographer, if you're a biologist, if you're a breather diver. Um, and you're interested even in like a, a little bit of commercial diving, for example, um, that is the film for you. It kind of wraps everything into one. So it's basically 
these divers living in this habitat on a barge that kind of goes around the Mediterranean. And when they're ready to dive, they go into a diving bell. And there are breathers, there are cameras, the video equipment, their laboratory sample equipment, because they're also running experiments, are all strapped to the outside of this diving bell. And they get dropped to the bottom of the ocean and they hop out of the bell uh, and then put on their rebreathers and go diving, do these massive long dives at depth. And then they come back and go back in the bell. And then just um, while they're sleeping, they kind of move around to the next site. Uh, it's one of those epic expeditions that kind of sort of, you know, throws back to Jacques Cousteau style stuff, um, which is kind of awesome because, you know, it's a, it's, it's a French led expedition. Uh, it's a French film. And it sort of kind of ties all that together with with the history of Jacques Cousteau in France. So um, I think, yeah, again, if you're just a, a scuba diver or somebody interested in the ocean, this film is worth watching. But if you're interested in all these other aspects, it will blow your mind. Um, I recommend that you actually listen, uh, watch the actual French version with the subtitles because um, I, th I think it has the original feel of, of the language uh, with it. But obviously it's available in English as well. Um, and it's definitely one of those films that you want to throw up on a big screen, not something you want to watch on the side while, while you're doing something else. So it's called The Deep Med, uh, and you can find it uh, online. Freaking epic film. Blow your mind. Definitely recommend you watch it. That sounds very cool. So are we talking like uh, saturation diving style is what these guys are doing, I'm assuming, from what I'm hearing? Yeah, so they're, they're basically they're combining, you know, like a 20-day saturation dive with with excursions from the diving bell on rebreathers. And at one point there were, <laughs> this this will probably like scare you a little bit, Amit, as a wannabe cave diver, but it's at one point they were like, you know, they're doing a lot of these dives without being tethered to the actual bell. So they're kind of like, you that know, they got to be one reef. of my questions. Yeah, and and at some point they do tie a line because they, they I think they had a bit of a, a aha moment. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, saturation <laughs> diving combined with rebreather diving, um, and one of the really cool things is because they're constantly in this bell, right, in this habitat, they can't service their own rebreathers. Uh, they right. can't put them together, which is sort of one of the big things when you're a rebreather diver. You do your own gear, you set it up, you follow your own checklist, and so each diver has designated a trusted surface buddy, a, a trusted tech uh, to, to dismantle their gear and put it back together uh, at the end of each, at the start and end of each day and prep it for the, for the subsequent day. Um, and it's, it's somebody that, you know, they have a personal relationship with somebody that obviously has the expertise, but they have kind of like a, like a surface avatar doing all the, all the equipment stuff, uh, which is yeah, a pretty insane. awesome expedition. Yeah. But I, I don't want to say too much more. It's go watch the film. It's just <laughs> awesome. All right. Send me a link, Nick. Send sure me a thing. link. <laughs> we'll include it in the show notes. <laughs> for tonight's segment with April, we have the pro tip. What do you have for us tonight, April? Well, first of all, I have a question for you guys. Do you know? Uh, so as instructors, when was the last time you guys played the student? So when was the last time you guys actually took a course? Uh, I'm actually taking one actively right now. And then oh. I know we did the visual cylinder course together and I took, uh, a, I took the human diver course last year. Nice. Mm. And so, yeah, I think for me, similarly cylinder course. Um, and I think I did the advanced nitrox and deco last year and, uh, yeah. So try to stay current as a student. Nice. Well, my pro tip this week is never stop learning. So 
whether that's uh, taking courses or practicing new skills. Uh, Even as instructors, I think we always have something to learn and your trim will never be perfect. So you might as well always go out there on some dives and oh, Mitch's shaking his head. He's like, no way, man, I'm perfect. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, I never said that. I never said that. I thought, no, easy. I was going with, it was like, this sounds like uh, me all over again. You know, it's like you you must continue to practice. Yeah, I no, thought you I, were shaking your head at me saying your trim will never be perfect. Like, no, I've done it. No, <laughs> no, I, I'll never say that it's perfect. That's just uh, that's a little bit uh, too high on your horse for my. Well, for, but this is this is what I'm saying is, yeah, your trim, it'll, you know, you could always do something to perfect it. There's always skills that you can work on. So this week, my pro tip is just never stop learning. Always keep practicing uh, and challenge yourself, even as instructors, because we kind of get in these ruts and I know I did for kind of the past year where all my dives were kind of just easy dives. I knew how to do, I wasn't doing anything that was overly challenging. Uh, and then recently I've started taking some more courses, uh, and challenging myself. And also I think it helps me like relate to my open water students because I'm like, Oh yeah, this is what it's like to find something really hard or to struggle. Um, so yeah, this week, my pro tip is just keep learning. And, you know, keep educating yourself and learning new things when it comes to diving. I think to to that, I I think that's a great tip. I think to that, I would add that, um, you know, like finding info, like, you know, not everybody has money to do a course uh, Mm -hmm. all the time. It, It can be very expensive, especially if you're just starting out. Um, you know, like you've just bought a ton of gear, like you're, tr- you're trying to get set up and, and maybe doing courses is not right there, but there, there are like many other avenues to learn from. So, you know, there's, there's Diver Magazine. We had Russell yeah. Clark on and, and that magazine, a year subscription is, you know, the price of a pizza. Uh, mm-hmm. you can listen to this podcast, obviously, if you're listening to it, you've already done that <laughs> bit. Uh, but you know, we, we try to share information and there, there's a lot of great books, uh, a lot of which we share here, but there's, you know, there's so much that I haven't read. Um, there's a lot of good forums, uh, you know, scuba board. Um, anyways, lots of resources out there that doesn't necessarily mean you have to take a course, but you can stay active, stay current and challenge yourself with knowledge. Absolutely. I mean, for that sake, make friends with a diver. That's a, that's a solid, you know, advanced diver or an instructor. So (laughs) I just mooch off of them. Actually, you know, that's, (laughs) that's, that's a really good point because as a, as a free diver, I've often found myself as the most advanced free diver, pretty much in the two or three places that I've lived in the last few years. And I'm the one always imparting information. Mm. And the only time I have ever like, grown and learned is either through having a coach for training or actually the big, the biggest time is when I go to competitions and I'm surrounded by hundred meter plus divers, free divers. And it's not always like stuff they actively tell me, but it's through observation and watching people do stuff. So yeah, surround yourself with divers that are better than you and challenge yourself to, to become, you know, better. And I think sometimes too, that's really intimidating to be like, Oh, I'm going to go for a dive with these guys. I know they're really experienced and skilled and you feel like maybe they don't want to dive with you or you're not good enough to dive with them. But I would encourage you to go diving. First of all, I feel like every diver is always happy to take anyone, Mm. you know, kind of out and under their wing on a dive. Uh, And you take away so much stuff. And, you know, if every dive you go out and you try to come back a little bit of a better diver, things are good. Things are happening. So 
Yeah. Yeah. I think if you've taken a step to surround yourself with, with better divers, you've, you've taken a huge leap and then, you know, like don't be intimidated by people that maybe you might think they don't want you around, you know, like mm -hmm. if, if you want to go practice a, putting on a weight belt and they want to go scootering around the dive site, you know, just communicate what your intentions yeah. are and they'll tell you, Hey, you know, maybe tomorrow. Cause today I have a different objective, but mm -hmm. it's very rare that a, a diver will tell you, no, they might just say, yeah, let's do it tomorrow. Cause I've got something else going on today. But yeah, you know, I mean, we've communication. talked about that. We've talked about that on the podcast before of just like how as instructors, as tech divers, you're always happy to take anybody out for mm -hmm. a dive and go diving with anyone. So yeah. yeah. That's my pro tip this week. Keep on learning. So yeah, courses, yeah. books, podcasts, whatever it takes. Learn something new. I love it. Super important. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that, April. Welcome. That does it for today's episode. Uh, it was awesome to have Joanna join us for this podcast episode. Uh, I was quite surprised by the Nova Scotia link, which I thought was awesome. Um, I also want to thank Justin for not setting up the interview, uh, but I do hope uh, he's feeling better <laughs> because he has been under the weather and actually this is the first time he's missed an episode. Uh, so uh, we wish him a speedy recovery and hope to have him back next week. And thanks to April for being here. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, I missed Justin tonight, but I guess, you know, missing one episode in 62 is is forgivable. <laughs> yeah, except when it lands me in the hot seat. Uh, and thank you, Emmett. Yeah, you know. Uh, well, to, to paraphrase Nick, it's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I think if anybody deserves to be able to miss an episode, it's probably the big J-man. Uh, and, you know, from my end, uh, I, I did enjoy this, uh, this episode with Joanna. I always enjoy chatting with folks who are in the Caribbean. Uh, it kind of, no matter what, makes me feel like I'm home. And yeah, I, I guess one of the things that uh, stuck with me was the uh, internship program that she chatted about where she was basically bringing in uh, folks from the Cayman uh, to train with her. So that was, that was pretty cool and I appreciated the opportunity to chat with her. Mm -hmm. Don't forget, you can support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash dive in pod and get some fun rewards for doing so. Visit our website, diveinpod.com for all the links you need, episodes, merch, and so much more. On social media, you can follow Justin at iDiveOK. I'm at April Weikert. I'm at Nicholas Winkler Photography. Next week, we speak to Mark Powell, author of the book Deco for Divers, A Diver's Guide to Decompression Theory and Physiology. So this is another one of those ones that I'm really looking forward to. This episode of Dive In The Podcast was brought to you by our sponsor, Torpedo Ray Scuba. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or at podchaser.com. Reviews are one of the best ways to help others find the podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>